Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen, breaking down Coach Robert Sala's initial press conference, the introductory press conference. You're actually going to hear from Coach Sala one-on-one with EA. There's a website video, so if you've seen that, it's about four minutes. You're getting the full, raw, uncut, 10-minute interview, Coach Sala one-on-one. And EA, I thought he was very impressive. I thought GM Joe Douglas was very impressive. I thought Vice Chairman Christopher Johnson was very impressive. But, you know, if I were to ask you, what are your initial takeaways from the press conference? And if you were, you know, let's just say you were meeting a buddy and someone missed the press conference and they're like, what do I need to know? What do you think of them? What would you say? So in the good old days, we'd be able to go to a local watering hole and pull up a stool. (laughs) And I would have came away from that press conference and said, hey, Joe, all gas and no break. And that's the philosophy (laughs) here at One Jets Drive. Uh, Robert uh, Sala was very impactful. I thought uh, he's measured with his words, calculating. He is a motivator, like we've talked about multiple times in the past. But uh, for him, it's all about getting better every day. And the other key word, I thought, if we were at that watering hole, my next sip would be about investment. He wants to invest in the players so that the players, in turn, invest in the coaching staff and in the organization. And when that happens, something special occurs. And that's why the New York Jets brought him here. I think it's clear that this guy has a special ability to communicate, relate to people, and get the best out of them. Yeah, I agree with that. I have to know. When are the all gas, no breaks t-shirts coming out? Because that not only will we be wearing them, but I feel like that is a hot commodity if and when that does drop. Yeah, it's got to happen uh, relatively soon. And I'll contact our buddy, Chris Pierce, in <laughs> commerce and see if he's started to work on those shirts. But uh, I love it. I mean, who wouldn't like that? That, that whole mindset of, Hey, make yourself better today. When you go to bed at night, are you better than you were yesterday? Because this is a process. Jets went two and 14 last year. They haven't been in the playoffs in 10 years. There's a lot of building to do, and it's going to have to be step by step. And Sala really knows how to unite people, bring them together for a great cause. And do you think it resonates with players when he says, Hey, I want you to have the ability to make the most amount of money possible. (laughs) How many coaches do you hear talk like that? Yeah, I I think players would like to hear that. Maybe some pending free agents that the Jets have, expiring contracts of, and we'll obviously we'll cover that at a certain time. But, you know, what stood out to me also didn't happen in the introductory press conference. It came in the breakout sessions where Coach Sala said that he had reached out via phone call or text to every single player on the roster. So first of all, that's very impressive. Second of all, like I have to know, is that including free agents to be? Is that not like I, I I'm curious well, on the roster, detail. right? Yeah, I, I guess they are until, <laughs> you know, until March, whatever the new league year, I guess they are on the roster. So, and, and um, I don't know if you heard this, Makai Becton was on Sirius XM NFL radio. And he said that coach Sala called him and Makai, you know, being, the 20 young, what is he, 22, 21 year old kid he is, saw it, didn't recognize the number. was like, nah, you know, I'm not going to answer this. It's probably spam. Turned out it was Coach Sala. He's like, oh, oh, I should probably call him back. So, yeah, you know, uh, I, I think I'm it's sure, really cool. I'm sure Sala would, 
we'll forgive them. Uh, that, that's one of the building blocks of the future on both sides of the ball. And Salah on the other side said, I love Quinn and Williams. If we weren't going to take Nick Bosa, we were going to take Quinn and Williams and he thinks he's going to fit in very well uh, defensively here under Jeff Albrecht. But uh, yeah, you know, we, you actually had a great segment on our Jets overtime special presented by Beth page, federal credit union. Log it. <laughs> when you looked at some of the social media reaction, once it was clear or once it was official that the Jets and Salah had agreed to terms and mm-hmm. it, it stood out when you're talking about Richard Sherman, a, a guy like that, who's very opinionated, very intelligent as well. Or you mentioned Joe Staley on the other side of the football <laughs> and you even said Robbie gold. He's a kicker for God's sake. We, we got all three phases covered. I mean, this is what the Jets wanted, right? A leader of men, and you get reaction from... I think people would expect someone like Richard Sherman to have positive things to say because Salah coached the defense that Sherman played in. Same thing with Fred Warner on Good Morning Football. Had great things to say about him. But when you get guys like Joe Staley, one of the most decorated players in recent 49ers history, and even, like you mentioned, Robbie Gould, the kicker, when you get all three phases tweeting about the defensive coordinator and how excited they are. And then you get guys like Russell Wilson and DeForest Buckner. I mean, there's a long list of people that had glowing reviews of Coach Sala. And I think you started to see why, even though it was a short, short introductory press conference, I I think if you're a player, like if I were a player and I'm watching the press conference and I'm hearing Coach Sala say all these things, I mean, first of all, you had me at all cast, no break. And then as you continue to go on and on, I mean, it, I, it feels like that the Jets are on the right path and the the partnership between Sala, Douglas, Johnson, Jaime Alhai, the team president, it feels like that is now in one breath. And I think that as a unit now, they're attacking this very important offseason, but the first domino has fallen. And I think that Jets fans are excited. And I think that Coach Sala is very excited as well as Douglas and Johnson and everyone else in the organization. Uh, uh, It's a fantastic point. I think it should not go under the radar when we're talking about this agreement is that the first time Sala talked to Jets Brass, he came away thinking, this is the place I want to make my home. So Mm -hmm. there's all this. You know, sometimes you get a reputation out there and the Jets haven't won in a long time. Let's be frank, you know. Uh, so a lot of people from afar are saying, hey, what have they been doing there? Well, when Solomon met Christopher Johnson, when he met Joe Douglas, when he met Aimee Elhai, he said, these people feel like family to me. And then uh, we're going to get to it. The, the change of the leadership structure, uh, we'll talk about it here in a minute. But Solomon said it's not going to matter because we're all going to be on the same page. I think sometimes you're going to have – differences of opinion and that's good and i think he seems like a guy who's going to welcome that uh in the run-up to this when we're talking about Salah, he said i want diversity on my staff i want people to have different strengths than me but with the jets leadership team in place uh if i'm a fan i'm very excited about joe douglas picking this roster and Salah coaching this team moving forward uh and the other word that stuck out to me i would say is humility because Mm -hmm. how many guys would say hey listen i'm a defensive coordinator 
my defenses were really good in San Francisco. That's one of the reasons why I'm getting this interview with you and all these other teams, and I'm going to call defensive plays. No, he said, I'm not going to call defensive plays. I'm going to be the guy overseeing the entire operation. So that takes a lot of humility, and Joe Dog has talked about it, Ethan. You know, he wants to have a have an eagle-less building, and I think the Jets are on their way to building that. I think it's really cool that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala had never met before this process. The first time they met was over a Zoom conversation, not too dissimilar to how we're recording this podcast. So I think that's really cool and shows the kind of presence that Sala has. And Douglas said that everything that they had heard about Sala was confirmed in the Zoom meeting. And then when they finally got to bring him into the facility, it was just reiterated and furthered. And then, of course, now Coach Sala is the 20th head coach of the New York Jets. And you mentioned the organizational structure change. Well, in the past, head coach and GM would both report to Christopher Johnson. Now Coach Sala is going to report to Joe Douglas, who will report to Vice Chairman Christopher Johnson. So that's all. And, and Chairman Woody and Chairman Woody Johnson, of course. Yes. Right. Yeah. So so now that that's in essentially a linear motion here, I think that to your point, while a lot of people will say, well, that's, you know, the way it should be. And that's the way it typically is the way that coach Sala and Joe Douglas view it is, well, you know, we're still going to collaborate on everything. It's not like that because Joe Douglas is technically on the reporting chain, he's going to say, Oh no, you have to do this. Or coach Sala is going to, you know, not give his, true opinions on anything. I think that with the two of them, you get two genuine real dudes who want to have, or are, are open to having difficult conversations if they disagree on something. And I think that at the end of the day, they'll come to a compromise and make the best decision for the team. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And then we just got to go back to, you know, Salah, he does it a little bit differently than Pete Carroll, but you know how Pete Carroll, that was one of his big time mentors when he got into the coaching business, you know, about halfway up the ladder, right in Seattle after uh, that stop with the Houston Texans and mm -hmm. Gary Kobiak. And uh, Pete Carroll is that Mr. Energy guy. Yeah, I think Pete Carroll might be the oldest or second oldest coach in the NFL. I don't know who's older, him or Belichick, but I think they, he's older. Okay, so Pete Carroll, but Pete Carroll, you take him outside right now and say you're going to play basketball. He's going to he's he's going to beat your ass. You know he's the kind of guy, and he's going to do it clapping. Yeah, and he's going to be jumping up and down the sideline, and that's what we see from Salah on Sundays. But he's also very calculated, um, and he's a great teacher. And I think the guys really are drawn to him, and he has a presence. You were there at one jets drive. Didn't you feel a little bit of an aura? He's a big guy. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, a dude who used to play college football was a tight end at Northern Michigan. Um, but uh, with that being said, um, he is just extremely intelligent and thoughtful in everything he says. And Joe Douglas, you know, I kind of consider him a big teddy bear, but Joe D is a guy who I don't think you'd ever want to be on the wrong side of. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I think Sal is the same kind of way. Mm -hmm. I think so, for a player, you're like, this guy's investing in me. This guy's going to make me better. This guy has been involved in a turnaround 
most recently with the San Francisco 49ers, where they totally flipped the script there. And this guy has helped young players, old players alike, um, improve and take their games to the next level. So I, I don't think Salah is going to have to be forceful with people. I think he just has a presence about him and people are going to follow him. And that's the natural leadership that we've always talked about. I agree. I think we've, I think we've covered the press conference very well. So I think we should hear from coach Salah right now. Robert, you said it was clear to you throughout the process that this was the pl- right place to call home. Why? You know, I, I come from a city where there's there's a it, where it's a very tight knit community where people communicate, people lift one another up, people have each other's back. And so having the chance to meet with Christopher and having the chance to meet with Joe and Jaime and just the, the collaboration, the communication and the whole entire process, the way they organized it, the way they communicated throughout the process, the interview process, all of it uh, felt like home. It felt like I was talking to my people, it felt like I was back in back at Fortson High School talking to my buddies. And so um, there, that, that click was, was so apparent to me through the process and uh, not to say anything bad about the other teams, obviously, but this one just clicked, it clicked differently. And, and it, uh, it was a no brainer in my opinion. What was that moment like for you and your family when it became final? Uh, uh, it, it was awesome. You know, uh, my wife, my kids, obviously just pumped up my brother, uh, who's, probably my biggest fan, uh, crying on FaceTime. So, uh, mom and dad, it was, it was pretty cool. What did you sell the jets on as far as your vision is concerned and what kind of identity do you want your team to have? Um, you know what? I, I don't know if it was a sell job. It was just, it was just communication. Um, I think they, they, they wanted to hear a plan. We, we talked about it. We talked about offense, defense, we talked about everything. And, um, uh, you know, and so it was just a, a tremendous amount of communication and sharing visions of what, how they saw it, how we, how I saw it and, and how we saw it together. And that was, that was the biggest thing. But, uh, but with regards to identity, you know, just talking about this all gas, no break mantra. Um, uh, and, and like I've said, you know, it's, it's not about effort on the football field. It's that all gas mentality. When you wake up in the morning, are you stepping on the gas and doing everything you can to be a little bit better when you go to sleep? How you uh, meetings, how you approach practice, how you approach your teammates, how you approach rehab, everything, every moment of every single day is uh, with the mindfulness to get a little bit better. And, and that's what we're going to represent. How did your background prepare you for this opportunity? It's been a long road since 2001. Oh, uh, I, I, you know, I've been blessed. I've been, you know, and, uh, I've been able to see a lot of different buildings, you know, the way we built it in Houston, at Houston with Gary Kubiak and, uh, the way Pete and John Snyder did it in uh, 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 Seattle, the the things that we learned in in Jacksonville because of the different failures we may or may not had, but there's a lot of great things to take from that building uh, with Gus Bradley and, and Dave Caldwell. And then the way John uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have done it in San Francisco, there's been so many different ways that it's been done, but there's been common themes on why they've worked. And, uh, and to be able to have those experiences in different buildings and see different buildings uh, have success and go from uh, the bottom rung of the league to the top rung of the league um, all in a, a couple years time. That's been, that's been a, a great, great uh, experience for me with regards to learning and, and why I feel like we'll all be prepared to, to do the same thing here. What's the difference between what we see on the sideline, that motivator, the fiery man, the passionate guy who gets the best out of his players 
compared to maybe during the week because people talk about how calculated you are, how measured you are, and how patient you are as a teacher? Um, you know what? There's there's an investment that takes place. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll equate it to to the communication a, a parent has with their their child in terms of the amount of work that's put in um, to when you might see your child ride a bike for the first time and the emotion and the jubilation because you you just invested so much time in your child to ride that bike and then they ride it and that feeling you get um, amplifies and so the amount of work and the investment that players, coaches, the organization put into one another as we go through the week to get things exactly the way we all want it to be uh, through tremendous communication throughout the week. So when it does get to that moment on Sunday and you've you've talked about it, you've repped it, you've practiced it, uh, you've gone back and watched it again, and then it happens. It happens on game day and the play is made. You can't help but feel an extreme amount of excitement for that player because they're the ones that, and they're, they're the ones putting in the work also. They're the ones out there shooting the bullets. And to see them have that success is the same exact feeling you'd get if you saw your child ride a bike for the first time after spending days trying to help them. And so um, that's what you see. And so, but it, there's a big buildup to that. And there's a big buildup of investment and love with the, with the players. And, uh, and that's kind of what people see. New York is a melting pot. We all know that. What does it mean to you, a kid who grew up in Dearborn, Michigan, to be the third Arab American head coach in NFL history and the first Muslim? Um, you know, it's, uh, it's an honor that the, uh, uh, Jets have, uh, and Jet Nation has, uh, has taken a shot on me and, uh, and I can't be more thankful for it. I, I know it's, uh, a really, really big deal back home. And, um, at the end of the day, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's still about going out and doing the best for what's right for the organization. And, uh, you know, I'm absolutely humbled by the opportunity and, uh, humbled by all those different things, but, um, you know, I'm just, I'm excited to be a part of it. So can you give any insight on your staff? I know you're still finishing that as we speak. Um, you know what we, we, uh, Mike LaFleur, uh, will be our offensive coordinator. We're really, really excited about him, uh, bringing that Shanahan system. He's been a part of it for his entire time in this league. I think it's, he's approaching eight years now. And so, um, he's got a tremendous amount of experience and, and just like, uh, we've all learned he's, he's gone through Cleveland, Atlanta, San Francisco, he's been through a couple of different rebuilds. So I know that he's ready to take it on himself. And, uh, um, you know, so he's he's the big piece to this thing. And obviously all the assistants that are going to follow. But uh, bringing that system over is going to be a great thing for, for this entire organization and, uh, and really the entire city. How important will the next few months be for you and the entire organization when you look at the draft capital here, also the financial flexibility, and as you embark on this partnership with Joe Douglas. You know, there's there's a lot of tape to watch. Uh, there's a lot of discussions to be had, and uh, and that's what I love about Joe. Uh, he is just, he is ready to uh, uh, talk ball. He's uh, walking up to his office and vice versa, and we're already trying to talk and just give ideas. And um, and I can't wait to really, really sit down and, and go over the roster and, and, and the different plans that, that uh, he might have and, and how we see it. And it's the collaboration that's gonna take place uh, you know, with uh, you can have all the draft capital in the world, you can have all the money in the world, but unless you do it together and you and and unless you communicate and do do what's best for the organization, it really won't matter. And uh, and having that mindset that Joe has, uh, I can't wait to get to work with him. It's going to be awesome. What did you tell these guys during the interview process about uh, Sam Darnold and what you thought about the quarterback position here at the Jets? 
You know, Sam's been, uh, he's, he was the third pick for a reason. He's extremely talented. You know, I, I can only speak for when we game planned against them way back earlier in the season. And, and you see a young man that's got tremendous arm talent. He's a natural thrower. He's fearless in the pocket. He's got great mobility. He's smart. Um, and, uh, and so I have an appreciation for his game and, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that we're going to talk about moving forward and uh, between uh, Joe's staff and us and uh, uh, and having all the, the uh, necessary conversations that need to take place. But uh, but I have a lot of respect for Sam. Uh, I know he's well loved in this locker room and uh, and his talent is his talent still there. You can still see why he was the third pick in the draft. And lastly, Robert, what kind of message would you have that for this fan base who's starving for a winner? I know uh, the Jets have not made the playoffs in 10 seasons, but you said success has no shortcuts. You know, um, the one thing you're going to see, you know, there's there, there's this old there's this old saying, you know, like in this profession, people are motivated. They are. They're, they're motivated to get up. They're motivated to get up. They're motivated to come to work. Um, they're motivated to go out in the football field and they're motivated to watch tape. Everyone's motivated to do their job. But I really think you're going to see a team that's inspired. It's going to be a different level of motivation. There's going to be an inspiration that's built within this organization. And uh, uh, from coaches to players, all the way from top down, there's going to be a little different level of inspiration with regards to doing more than what you thought you were capable of. And uh, I can't wait to get started. Um, I know the coaching staff is chomping at the bit. I know Joe and his staff is chomping at the bit. And I know the players are excited. And so together, we're excited to get this thing going because together, we're going to go as far as we possibly can. Great stuff from Coach Sala, and I think it's only fitting that we now turn the page as to what what's this team going to look like now. You mentioned he's not calling defensive plays. That's Jeff Albrecht, most recently the, what, the interim D.C. when Raheem Morris, or the interim D.C. of the Falcons. I should probably say what team. That's pretty important. Dan Quinn got let go. Raheem Morris went from defensive coordinator to interim head coach, and Jeff Albrecht became the interim defensive coordinator. So he's the play caller. And I think the important thing schematically here is that Coach Sala did say that the Jets would primarily run what they did in San Francisco, which was having a four down front. So how do you think that changes the landscape of the personnel that the Jets have or might be looking for in free agency or the draft? Well, it's interesting because number one is the the way offense is played in the National Football League, you're, you're in nickel predominantly all the time anyway right but the four three that we became familiar with watching the san francisco 49ers with that wide, wide ninth and i think you know ultimately we're gonna have to see this play out but it changes from the sense of i think if you watch the way the 49ers were built watch the way the jacksonville jaguars were built when gus bradley was there the way seattle played it um, I think you need some speed rushers on the outside, right? right. Uh, and I, I think also the volume on, um, of defense alignment is going to increase. You're just gonna, I think you're going to need a lot of bodies up front along that defensive line. And I also think that reiterating what Salah said, they're looking for speed at all positions. Mm-hmm. And when you think about, I mean, this is one of my first thoughts. When you think about the style of cornerback that Seattle had or even San Francisco, I mean, you're talking about tall, lanky guys, kind of like Richard Sherman. Well, the Jets have a guy like that in Bryce Hall, who he's tall and lanky, bless Austin, similar. So, you know, I wonder if this system will suit them well. 
And I think that it's been a while that the Jets have, I know, like you said, a lot of defenses run nickel predominantly throughout the course of the game and you mix up four, three, three, four looks, but the Jets are going to need to get fast, right? And I, th- I think that's kind of what the the scouting process is going to look like in terms of defense. If you have like a menu, that's how Daniel Jeremiah calls it before the coaching staff gives the personnel a menu of traits and stuff. So I think the Jets are on defense are going to look to get faster. And when you have three linebackers, obviously you have the mic, but then typically, correct me if I'm wrong, the two outside guys are are speed guys, aren't they, typically? Yeah, I mean, yes. Listen, I think fast is you're looking for that in a physical skill set, but I also think it's a mindset with the way Salah and Ulbrich uh, coach defense, meaning they're not going to complicate these guys. They want them moving to the football, playing aggressive, playing violent football within the rules and just not thinking too much, getting to the football. So you're right about the speed, physical skill set, especially on the, the outside with those ends. And I'm glad you brought up Bryce Hall because he's a guy who was so active at the University of Virginia a couple of years ago, led the NCAA in pass defenses. We talked about that. We saw him pick up his first career interception against the LA Rams. He showed some things down the stretch. Yeah, he might be a guy who really benefits uh, from playing in a new system. But yeah, uh, four, three, uh, what you saw from the 49ers. Yeah. They were really talented up front, but they were decimated by injuries this year and they still responded and mm-hmm. they got to the football and, and some of that is physical, but a lot of that too is mental. It's the way it's coached up and it, they, keeping it as simple as possible and just getting the guys to go out there and react and set the tone. I agree. Now let's switch to the offensive side of the ball. Mike LaFleur, younger brother of Packers head coach, Matt LaFleur is the offensive coordinator and he's been with Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers head coach since I believe he entered the league in Cleveland. That was a short stint for both of them in Cleveland. They both go to Atlanta. Matt Ryan becomes a league MVP. They go to the Super Bowl, they lose. Then Kyle Shanahan goes to San Francisco. Michael Floor goes there, becomes passing game coordinator. And then that offense became a Super Bowl offense again. And with Michael Floor, I think the biggest difference, or not the biggest difference, I think one of the one of the staple principles that Coach Sala mentioned and that you've seen if you watch the 49ers is pre-step movement and how they want to mirror the run and pass game, meaning if they want the run to look the same as the pass, which keeps the defense on its toes. So I think that's really what the Jets are going to do. And personnel-wise, I mean, you know, we'll see that the Jets have some players. I think Mekhi Becton's going to love being in this offense, especially with the all-gas-no-break mentality. The big ticket is flooring it in Florham Park. <laughs> so LaFleur's the offensive coordinator. He'll be calling plays. Uh, but John Benton, is actually going to be the run game coordinator. So you're splitting up the responsibilities there. And, you know, very good point by you again, by talking about LaFleur's background. It's not like he was just in San Francisco. Uh, he's been with Shanahan for seven, eight years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a guy who's been groomed for this job. And this offense has been very successful 
wherever it's been going back to the days of pop Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, <laughs> you know, and Kyle Shanahan has done some tremendous uh, stuff. So you have to look at LaFleur too and say, Hey, what did the 49ers do with Jimmy Garoppolo a couple of years ago when he was healthy? Well, he, he played damn uh, good football and they played with the physical mindset offensively. I love it because you know, a lot of people sometimes they think, oh, well, you're doing a lot of shifts and motions and you're trying to be pretty. But you mentioned it. You want to mirror the run game to the pass game. The 49ers, when they were going offensively, they were a physical team and you didn't want to play them because next week it was going to take a lot out of you because they're coming at you up front. They want to be nasty on the offensive line and the defensive line. Who does that sound like? Sounds like Joe Douglas. So we get back to this partnership. <laughs> this is why this partnership makes a lot of sense. Joe Douglas has always emphasized, hey, I want to dictate the tone at the line of scrimmage. Well, that's what we saw from Salah defensively. And then we see what the 49ers in Atlanta were able to do. I know a lot of people are looking at Matt Ryan, and rightfully so. You, It's a passing league. But still, there is a place for running the football and pounding away at teams. The 49ers in their Super Bowl run, I mean, they were top three in the NFL in rushing yards per game. And they had that whole, like, quartet of players between Mostert, Coleman, McKinnon, I think, was out. I mean, there was a, a committee back there. And, you know, we'll see what happens personnel-wise. Like we said, the Jets have a lot of cap room a lot of draft capital. So there's a lot of time to fill the roster here. But I think we have to talk about before we wrap up is what everyone said about Sam Darnold, because I think when everyone has their take on Sam Darnold, and I understand it, Joe Douglas said that he wants to get the head coach in place before any conversation about Sam. And he knows that he has to make a decision there and reiterated that point. And Sala was very complimentary of Darnold and said that it would be, unfair to name him the starter at this point in the off season, because he wants to go over everybody's tape. He wants to review everything, talk to everybody and it's a long off season, but I will say that this offense that the jets are implementing does seem like it suits Sam Darnold's strengths of move thrown on the run, moving and eye deception and being able to, use your legs, maybe not necessarily take off and run, but to stretch the field horizontally. Listen, uh, Sala said the quote on Sam Darnold, fearless in the pocket, natural throwing motion. He's mobile. He's extremely intelligent, tough as nails. Reputation in the locker room is unquestioned. He didn't have to go out of his way to talk about him that way, but he just wasn't throwing flowers Sam Darnold's way just for the heck of it, he really respects him as a player. And Joe Douglas really respects Sam Darnold as a player. But you do have to go through the proper evaluation, not only just at the quarterback position, but every position on your team. And let's face it, the real landscape right now is the Jets do have options because of the draft capital, because of the financial flexibility. So they do have options with the roster, but I think both of these guys, if you listen to them, they think that Sam Darnold is going to be a successful player in the national football league. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's how we close out this episode of the official jets podcast powered by Amazon web services. We'll be back next week 
to break down whatever we want to break down. I don't know what it's going to be. Probably a little senior bowl action because the senior bowl will. It's Monday, January 25th. I mean, the game is this upcoming Saturday. The practices are this week. So we'll probably have a little senior bowl, senior bowl breakdown on the official Jeff pod.